Welcome to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast, where you get help and guidance through the chaos of parenting a child with anxiety or OCD. This show is for educational purposes and is not intended to replace the guidance of a qualified professional. Here's your host, child therapist, Natasha Daniels. Well, hello there, and welcome to another episode of the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. Today, I want to talk to you about contamination. And I'm surprised I haven't done a podcast episode on this before. I have done one on emotional contamination, and I've done a kids and teens YouTube video on contamination, but I've never talked to you about it. How do you handle it? How do you understand it a little bit more? So I want to dive into contamination and all of its struggles and talk to you about maybe understanding it a little bit more, even if you think you understand it, just to give you a bigger, broader perspective on it and how to help your kids and teens get through it. So before I get started, though, I do want to thank NoCD for sponsoring this episode. NoCD offers affordable, effective, convenient therapy. They're available in the U.S. and outside of the U.S. And to schedule your free 15-minute consultation to see if NoCD is a right fit for you and your child, just go to treatmyocd.com. That's treatmyocd.com. And if you're dealing with contamination, it is so helpful to have a therapist because I do feel like contamination is one of those OCD themes that can grow really quickly out of control. So contact NoCD for a free assessment and see if they can help. Okay, I want to talk about contamination. And before I dive into it, it's always really important to start with our kids and educate them. We have to understand our role in helping our kids and their role. And a lot of what needs to happen in order for our kids to crush OCD and crush contamination issues is completely out of your control. And I don't want to start with that and be a total Debbie Downer, but I think that you have to recognize that there is only so much that you can do. But some of us aren't doing what we can do because we don't know that we should do it or that we could do it or that what we should be doing. (laughs) And that becomes confusing. And so my hope for today is for you to really understand what's going on with your child and for you to understand the aspects that you can do to help them. And a lot of it is teaching. Whether we want to or not, part of our role in raising a child with anxiety or OCD is being a coach, cheerleader, and teacher. And that's it. Looking at our own behaviors, making sure that we're not accommodating. We'll talk a little bit about that as well today. But that's why I always start with the education piece. I want you to know what you should be knowing. And I want you to teach your child this because they need to know as well. If they don't understand OCD in general, they're not going to be able to overcome the struggles that OCD will bring. It always starts with education. And so, you know, you want to make sure that your child understands OCD in general and then understands how contamination shows up. That's even more important. And I do have a kid's YouTube video that I created, and I spend a lot more time with this video than I normally do with my YouTube videos. Normally they're like five minutes long and I'm just talking to the camera. And with this one, I actually went in and I put graphics in that would really like bring my point home because I wanted them to see how contamination is and how they grow it. Because without our kids fully understanding how they grow it and why and how it works, they're not going to be motivated to work on this long-term. So they might do, you know, their ERP or they might do their exposures when they're told to, but it doesn't mean that it's intrinsically motivated. 
or there's even a cognitive understanding of why they're doing it and how it's helpful. And we don't want our kids to be puppeteers of whatever the therapist or we say. We want them to really get it and understand why this is going to help them and be motivated to do it themselves. So when I talk to kids about contamination, you can watch this kid YouTube video. I'll link it in the show notes and on my website, or you can even just go to YouTube channel and type in my name, Natasha Daniels. My YouTube channel should pop up. And then, you know, there's a search button on YouTube and you can just type in contamination and my YouTube video on contamination will pop up. It's the one that's the most recent that I would recommend. The first thing that I do with kids after I just teach them about OCD in general, because contamination is just one aspect of OCD and it is whack-a-mole. And so maybe they're dealing with contamination struggles at one point, and then they're going to be dealing with something completely different at another point. So that we do want them to understand the full foundation of it, but we want them to understand that the more they avoid, the bigger it grows. And that's especially important with contamination because contamination will look different for each kid. What is contaminated is different for each kid and how it's contaminated. I'm going to go through some of the most common ones just to give you that full education. But then the avoidance is a really big part of contamination. So sometimes parents will say, I don't see any compulsions. And that's because it's mainly avoidance. I'm not going to touch that or this. A lot of times it gets so severe that then they're into washing. And so then they start to notice the hand washing or opening doors with their elbows or, you know, not being able to touch things that are really significant that are really impeding their daily functioning. And then it gets on the radar. But a lot of times contamination issues are are around for quite a while before it starts to be noticed. And a big part of that is because avoidance is the big compulsion. Okay. So educating our kids on OCD, educating them on the loop of how avoidance makes it grow bigger. I actually do have a YouTube video on just avoidance and how that grows bigger, but I think my contamination YouTube video kind of drills that home as well. So I don't, you know, I think that one video would be pretty powerful in and of itself. I am creating a full course for kids and teens with OCD. And I do feel like that would be really helpful for kids to fully understand anxiety, not anxiety. It's just pure OCD. I'm so used to saying anxiety and OCD, but this class is how to help kids and teens crush OCD in particular, because the way that you approach OCD is very different in a lot of different ways in how you'd approach anxiety. And I created a class just for them. I have so many resources for you on how to teach your kids how to crush OCD, how to teach your kids how to crush anxiety, how to teach your kids how to handle difficult behavior, how to help your kids who struggle with sleep due to anxiety and OCD. I have a lot of courses, but I didn't have one, ironically, for kids directly and teens directly on how to crush OCD. And I I have one. It's coming out at the end of September, and you can get on the wait list at atparentingsurvivalseries.com slash waitlist dash OCD. I'll put the link in the show notes. Or you can always go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com, just my main school website. And you will see, you'll see that class offered. And when you click on it, you can learn about it. And then you can join the waitlist from there as well. So just go to atparentingsurvivalschool.com. It's probably the easiest way to do it. So I just want to mention that because I do feel like, especially with contamination issues, our kids really need those tools and skills right away. Because out of all the things that OCD can glum onto or can, you know, in the way that it can manifest or show up, I feel like contamination and food issues are two of the scariest and snowballing, (laughs) if that doesn't even make any sense, uh, 
snowballing. I just made it a verb. The issues that can grow really quickly out of control and that can be really scary. And I feel like there's a lot of other ones as well, but contamination can like close a, a kid's world really fast. I mean, I've seen kids in my practice who can only sit in one chair in their house and they literally, everything else is kind of what I call red. And when I say red, when I'm talking about contamination OCD, and you'll see this in the video, the one that I made for kids, that's what I would do in my practice is I would talk about things that are red. It doesn't matter what color, but things that are red are contaminated. And how do we turn things green or what things are green? And having some language around contamination can be really, really helpful because you want to put some order to the chaos because it can feel like it's spinning out of control and it can happen really fast. It can like uh, amp up really fast and you want to get some structure and like a game plan for contamination as soon as you can. And so the first step after educating, which I'm such a big fan of, is um, creating some language. And so talking about things that are contaminated are red and things that are not contaminated are green. And I want to talk about just briefly some of the contamination sources, because I think sometimes parents don't go there or can't figure it out. And a lot of times I'll hear parents say something like, oh yeah, my child has contamination OCD, you know, as if like that explains everything. And for me as a clinician, it doesn't. It's like, okay, now I know how it shows up. And There's two main things that happen with contamination OCD that is universal for most people with contamination issues. And that is that an object, people, or place cannot be touched or needs to be avoided, right? So it seems like it's contaminated. That's a universal uh, theme that goes along with contamination. And the second one is that it can be like, quote unquote, contagious. And so that contamination can spread. And so they can spread to other people, things, or places based on this, you know, whether it's touched and moved around. And it's, it can often be, and it often is completely illogical. And so trying to approach contamination in a rational problem-solving sort of way, like, well, let's just wear gloves for this. And I've seen therapists suggest that who are not OCD therapists. And that is super, super, super scary. (laughs) So if you come up with other ideas, like, well, if you can't touch the light switches, then just use a tissue. Kids will come up with those ideas themselves because they're called compulsions. And so that's part of why we need to find the right therapist. And also as a parent, you need to know the right things to say because the intuitive things to say, like teaching them how to work around the contamination will grow it bigger. And so a lot of times as parents were, you know, cleaning their sheets, you know, multiple times a week because it's contaminated or we're washing their clothes over and over, or we're wiping things down for them, or we're opening things or touching things for them because they can't touch them, or we're keeping things at bay or away from them because we know they're contaminated. And we think, well, if we can just do that, it's not that big of a problem. We'll just do that and it'll be fine. And it grows the problem over time. And that's why as parents, we need to understand contamination And our kids need to understand it as well because it will impact you on some level. Contamination OCD always impacts the family because it spreads. It's spreading throughout the house, throughout the environment, and it it has to impact those people around them. There are other OCD themes that aren't as impactful, you know, especially as kids get older, where it doesn't really like rock the, the foundation of the house, but contamination OCD, it rocks wherever it goes. And so it's not just your house. When they go to college, it could be their roommate. It could be, you know, their partner, their husband or their wife or whoever when they move out. So it's, it is a really nasty problem. 
But saying your child has contamination OCD doesn't tell me anything. It just shows me how it's showing up. And it shows me that I have those two core things, right? That things get touched, the things that I just talked about. I don't have to go over it again. But why it's showing up to me is still important. And even though we talk a lot about like not getting hooked on themes too much, the more I know about what's driving the behavior, the more effective my ERP can be. And for those of you that are new to this game completely, ERP is exposure with response prevention. It's, you know, it's the gold standard approach. It's what OCD therapists use. We have new therapies and modalities that are coming in to supplement that, like ACT and other therapies. But ERP is still like a solid approach that any OCD therapist who's a specialist would be using. And so some of the core fears around contamination, and I'll just name a few, and OCD is creative, so it can be anything. But some of the common ones are obviously germs, right? That's that's kind of what we think about when we think of OCD is like germ contamination. That's like the stereotype. That's the meme. That's what everyone thinks of. And so, yeah, there is that component. But even with germs, it can be different. You can have someone who is afraid of germs because they're afraid of getting sick. You can have people who are afraid of germs because they don't want to get other people sick. And so again, I want to know the difference. Am I dealing with someone who has a fear of death or fear of getting sick? Or am I dealing with someone who has harm OCD, which is a fear of getting other people sick or death or, you know, causing their death or harm. That's important to me because you'll see, as I talk a little bit more about this, I can develop some pretty point um, specific exposures for those core fears that are going to really like, you know, hit the nail on the head versus just kind of doing broad exposures. And we'll talk about that in a second. I don't want to get ahead of myself, but the more we know, the, the better the treatment and the better approach we can take. So there's germs. You can have contamination around thoughts. So if I have a bad thought and that Even that, we can go down the rabbit hole on what that might be. If I have an intrusive sexual thought and I touch the doorknob, maybe now the doorknob is contaminated with my thoughts. Or if I have a thought that I'm a bad person, or if I have any thought, right? I mean, it can really be literally anything that's kind of part of their theme. My thoughts can contaminate objects. And so if I'm wearing a shirt, and you see this a lot too with experiences. So it could be something that I thought about while I was touching something or wearing something, or I was present around something. It could be something that happened. And so you see this a lot with the metaphobia, the fear of throwing up. If I was wearing this shirt and somebody threw up at school that day, it doesn't even have to be anything that I saw. It just happened in the building that I was in, or it could be even more closely then that shirt's contaminated. And then maybe I took that shirt off and I put it on my bed and now the bed's contaminated. And then the bed sheets fell off to the floor. I know that part of the floor is contaminated. You can see where it grows. So it could be thoughts or situations. Another one is bodily fluid. This is one where kids don't want to share this information with you. And so the more embarrassing or taboo the the reason is, the less forthcoming you're going to get kids to be. So they're going to say, I don't remember. I don't know. I I can't tell you. I'm not sure, right? You're going to get those kind of throwaway answers. And with contamination, there is something that makes it contaminated. And so you can have discussed themes where, you know, the intrusive uh, core fear is discussed. I don't want to feel disgusted, but the thing that makes them disgusted is still a thing. 
And so if my contamination theme is discussed, like, ew, it's just gross. I don't want to touch the doorknob because it's got something on it that's gross. I know what that is, but a lot of times it can be semen, vaginal fluid, pee or poop. Now, when we talk about bodily fluid, especially like semen and vaginal fluid, nobody wants to talk about that. That's embarrassing. They think nobody else had that thought. And it's actually incredibly common. And the thought around that can be, it's just disgusting. So the core fear is, it's just disgusting. It's not like it's germy or anything like that. It's just, it's gross and I don't want to touch that. Or it's bad. If they have like moral OCD, it's a bad thing and I don't want to touch it. And so disgust can be for really anything. I have worked with people who have had contamination issues around dust. There's no logic or even like understanding behind it. And a lot of times kids can't even articulate. I don't know what it is, but it's just dust or glitter. I've heard glitter quite a few times in my practice, which can seem nonsensical. Uh, I had uh, one of the teens that actually participated in helping create the kid and teen crushing OCD course. I have 12 kids that participated and they teach and they, I interviewed them. And so they're, they're stories are weaved throughout the lessons to help normalize and validate the kids and teens that take the course. And one of the teens was incredibly articulate. She talked about how clear plastic is her contamination source. And she couldn't really tell you why. And she tried to think about why, but it just, it is. And so you don't have to get to the core fear behind it. Just knowing what is contaminated can help. Sometimes they don't know. Now, sometimes they do know, you know, just like the germs. With germs, it could be it's gross. It could be I'm going to harm someone else. So you do want to explore it, but you don't want to get stuck too much where like you're not moving forward. And so with that child or that teenager, it was like it's just clear plastic that just bothered her. And you don't really know, you don't need to know anymore because that's plenty enough to get started. And the last one I want to mention, and this is certainly not exhaustive uh, at all, but the last one I want to mention is people. And so I do have a YouTube video on emotional contamination. And this one gets missed a lot. Sometimes people will misinterpret this as a relationship issue, but a lot of times a person is deemed contaminated and they can be deemed contaminated based on so many different things. It can be just that they were exposed to a contamination object. So maybe they touch something. Uh, or sat somewhere or went somewhere that was perceived as contaminated. And then that person's just contaminated. So they're really just part of the domino of things that get contagious. I'm always looking for ground zero. <laughs> ground zero is the the source of the contamination because you're going to, you can have a whole house full of quote unquote, like red objects that are like no go objects, but they're all red because they somehow came in contact with or were perceived to come in contact with, because honestly, most of it's illogical and didn't have any contact with ground zero. And so knowing what ground zero is, it's, it could be an object, it could be a person, it might just be something that's everywhere. And so it does, there is no like true ground zero. <laughs> you know, it might be like just cups are dirty or, you know, my hands are dirty, or I perceive that, you know, I, I touched my nose, which has boogers in it. And then I touched all these other things. So there might not be like a really clear ground zero. But for a lot of people, there is like an object that then spread like wildfire throughout the house. And I've seen this with boys who have moral OCD and sexually intrusive thoughts. And then they, they have issues around contamination around bodily fluid and semen. And so there'll be situations as, you know, older kids where they've come in contact with bodily fluid. And so there's 
there's objects that are like ground zero for them. It might be their bed or clothes that they wore or sheets or something, and then it spreads. And they're not going to always be forthcoming about that because it's embarrassing. So with people, it can also be that they're not just part of the domino. And when I mean domino, it's like just that, you know, this contaminated this and this contaminated that, and then this contaminated that. But sometimes people in and of themselves are ground zero, you know, and I don't mean to laugh, but I think ground zero is a weird thing that I'm saying. So I'm laughing at myself for that weirdness, but that might be that that person is triggering the moral OCD. So that person said a bad word. And so now they are contaminated or that person drinks or that person smokes or that person is mean to me. And I don't want to be like that person or that person's racist or, and sometimes OCD will tackle and, and take away things that people love. So it might be someone they really love, but then OCD says, no, like their hair falls out and hair is gross and they're contaminated. I mean, it could be literally anything. So it is really important to not, and I know this is so much easier said than done, but in a perfect world, it's, it's better to not take it personally because it's not about you. It's OCD will take whatever it can. And we were just actually doing a Zoom call with the kids and teens that I work with um, in the AT parenting community. And we meet once a month and do our Zoom support group calls. And one of them was saying how OCD was like tackling the things that they really love, you know, that they're really into like some of the, their passions, like OCD was tackling that. And that's what OCD does a lot of the time. So sometimes when they have a very close relationship, you can become emotionally contaminated. Places can become emotionally contaminated if something bad happened, especially with, I see this with the metaphobia, but even other things can become contaminated and then you go there. So a lot of times people can become contaminated and and people are places and that's emotional contamination. There's an emotional relationship with that place or thing. So, okay, that's all good for you to know. And it's good for you to know because the way that contamination works is there is a source, not, this is not always clear, but there's like a source and then things get spread. They get spread through the hands or sometimes they can get spread through the air. And so it's not like you can rationally uh, put a lid on this. And so when you try to approach it by, you know, containing the contamination, good luck with that because OCD is creative. And I have worked with kids where they'll say, no, you know what I saw? I felt like it was going through the air and it went downstairs and it contaminated all the doors that were open. You can't prevent that. And so you have to get your rational head out of the game and you have to get your OCD hat on. which I know is really, really hard because it's always counterintuitive. So the first thing that I do with kids, and I feel like contamination is one of those things that you have to be really patient for and you have to celebrate baby steps because unlike a lot of other OCD themes, it takes a lot of time to see contamination working. I have worked with kids where they got it and they knew what they needed to do and like they tackled one thing and then the next thing and the next thing and like everything unraveled because it's a domino and you can do a reverse domino if you could like rewind the tape, you know, and all the dominoes go back up. You can do that. You can undo OCD's domino effect and it can sometimes be incredibly fast and amazing, but most of the time it's a, a little bit of a slower game. And so that's important for you to celebrate the small steps and not be like, oh, yay, he can touch the tip of his bed. like great. The whole rest of the house is still red. That attitude is going to shut him down and it's not going to help him feel empowered to keep going. And so this more than almost any other theme really needs a strong cheerleader to celebrate the small steps that lead to big change. So the first thing that I normally do in my practice is I have the the child or teenager write down 
this after I educate them. We write down all the things that are red. We might do like three categories, things that are red, things that are pink, and maybe things are green if like really their whole world is red. I mean, we don't really have to itemize things out that are green because it's everything else, ideally. And the reason why I want to do that is, first of all, I want them to visually see everything that's red. And I know that that can sometimes be overwhelming, but, and so if your child's suffering with depression or hopelessness, this may not be approach that you want to take. And always, you know, everything I always say is educational only. And so if you're dealing with a therapist, go get the therapist support or trust your own best judgment. Cause I don't know your child, but in my practice, when I would know kids, we'd write down all the things that they're, that were read. It was normally a homework assignment, you know, spend 24 hours really paying attention. And it's okay if a lot of things are red because just as quickly as they became red, you can turn them green again. But the idea is that's your roadmap. That's your battle map. So if I know that all these things are red, then the goal is let's not add to the list. And you really want to kind of stress to kids that this is their battle. This is their journey, not yours. Because if, if they're feeling like they're doing this for you, then they can easily cheat the system. They cannot tell you something that's not red, or they cannot add something that's not red, that, that has turned red. And so I always stress to kids in my practice, and I stress it to my own kids as well, like not being forthcoming or not doing the things that you're, you know, that can help you. That's just a you problem because the only person you're hurting if you're not being true to yourself is yourself. And you're going to grow up and move out of my house and you're going to pack up your OCD with you. And so I just want to be here to support you. And that really helps to make it not about you and more about them. And so helping them understand that the right, the reason to write all the things that are contaminated down is to not grow that list any bigger. And if they do, that's okay. But then they visually can see it. They can see, well, I have, you know, 80 things that are red, or I have five things that are red. You know, when you start really, you know, when you nip it in the bud, it, it doesn't, it's not that big at the time. Maybe I have 10 things that are red. Some of you might have hundreds of things that are red. And then what things are pink? So they're like, they're not a, you know, a 10 on my one to 10 scale, but they make me a little uncomfortable. And so writing all that out can be helpful. And then you want to teach kids about offense and defense. And I do have a whole YouTube video on offense and defense, but the idea is we're going to show up with contamination in two different ways. And so one might be is defense. I'm not going to add anything anymore that's going to be contaminated. So the minute OCD says, Ooh, I think that thing just touched that other thing and it's about to turn red. I'm going to nip it in the bud. So we're starting off with like a small step of let's not grow your list. And you want to watch your language, right? It's for them. So it's like, you may not want to grow your list because if you keep adding things, whether you write it down or not, then your world is going to get smaller. And one of the things that I really hone in on, and I talk about this a lot in the YouTube video is contamination OCD is greedy. It will just take more and more and more of your freedom. It'll take the things that you like, the things that you care about. And there are, you know, sometimes I use scare tactics if they're not depressed, you know, overwhelmed already. And I'll say, there are people who have contamination issues and they're literally just able to sit on their bed. And you don't want OCD to get you to that point because it's never satisfied. You can avoid as much as you want or not touch as much as you want. But the more you avoid discomfort, the bigger your world is going to shrink. And the bigger the world is going to shrink. That sounds like an oxymoron, but you get my point. We really want to hone in on that. We really want to drill that home on some level, depending on their mood stability, so that they get motivated and they can see that 
the way they're going about it, just listening to OCD and avoiding, 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 even if it's not that big of a deal, I just won't touch that or I just won't touch this or we all follow my OCD rules, everything will be fine. We want them to see that that's not going to work for them. That's not a good long-term approach. It's going to destroy them in the end. We really want them to see that. And then the defense is not growing the list. So as soon as something is trying to turn red, I'm going to touch it. I'm going to carry it with me. I'm going to wash my hands. But if I wash my hands, I'm going to retouch that thing and recontaminate my hands. And so I'm going to keep things from turning red. That's really important because now we're talking about containment where we're helping our kids contain the problem. And so they're at least plugging up the hole and only your child or teenager can do that. You cannot do that. You can help them and motivate them, but the harder and firmer you are about it, about them doing that, maybe the more they will kind of push back at you. So we want this to be their struggle and their journey, not yours. And then defense can also be, you know, I want to turn the light on and normally maybe I'll touch it with my elbow. Can I touch it with like with my wrist? Can I get a little bit closer to this contamination? And so defense is, again, OCD is knocking and it is doing something that says avoid, avoid, or don't touch or watch. And can I do the classic approach that I teach in all of OCD, which is recognize it's OCD. That's level one in my OCD game. Can I delay it? So can I delay washing my hands? That doesn't work for touching things, but it does work for the action of washing. Uh, And the third one is, can I ignore OCD? Can I touch it anyway? Or can I not wash at all? And the fourth one is, can I do the opposite in that moment? And so OCD says, oh, don't touch that one corner. And can I just touch that corner? Teaching our kids the basic levels. And I teach this in my class, how to teach kids to crush OCD. I talk about the OCD game. This is the class where I teach you how to be a support for your kids. And I talk about what parents can do that's helpful, what they can do that's not helpful. And how to teach your kids. I talk about the OCD game and my levels. My kids and teens crushing OCD class teaches them the same thing, but it teaches them directly. So the classes are different because one is directed for your kids and teens, but I teach them the levels because the framework of OCD is the same no matter what. And so it doesn't matter if you have contamination issues or symmetry issues or moral OCD, the framework is the same. How we approach OCD is the same. You have an intrusive thought or feeling or image or song, and you need to do or avoid something to get brief relief. And the more you do and avoid, the bigger it grows and the more uncomfortable feelings you have. That's OCD. And the way that you crush OCD is you learn how to not scratch the itch. You don't do the compulsions that OCD wants, regardless of what it is, what theme it is. You don't avoid or you move closer to it. And you also can push back on OCD and do things that OCD doesn't want you to do. And that can be any theme or any issue. And so going to the levels, that's the basic OCD approach. And so that's defense. We want to teach our kids defense that can they push back a little bit when OCD is pushing at them? And then there's offense. And I feel like even sometimes therapists focus so much on defense and there's nothing on offense. And you can start with defense. That's fine. You can make a lot of progress just with defense. And defense also might be part of what do you do? You know, do you pull back your accommodations? Do you stop washing everything? You can't go cold turkey because this problem didn't show up, you know, all of a sudden for most people. And it's not going to go away all of a sudden. You didn't start doing all these things to accommodate. It grew over time, just like OCD does. And that's why it's important to know your part in it. 
by, you know, learning this. I actually have a whole course, a uh, study guide on the space program, which is Ellie Leibowitz's program. And I do like a video study guide on it on how to pull back your accommodations. What does that look like? One small step at a time. And so learning these skills for yourself as a parent is really helpful because we play a role in it. And so we want to pull back, but that's all defense, right? Then offense is when OCD is not bothering your child, that they actually go and they purposely disrupt it, right? So if I have four levels where the the final level is do the opposite, right? I'm going to touch something that OCD doesn't want me to touch. That's in the moment defense, right? I'm about to turn the light on and OCD says, oh, don't touch the corner of it. And I'm going to purposely touch the corner of it. So that's still defense. OCD is bothering me. Offense is OCD's taking a nap. I'm just sitting on the couch, nothing's happening. And I might purposely go and do something. And this is where that core fear or core issue is really helpful. Let's say contamination is glitter. Well, then, yeah, I'm doing all the defense things. Maybe I avoid, you know, going into Michael's or like an art supply store, or maybe I avoid touching any of the ornaments for Christmas because I think there's going to be glitter on it or whatever. I'm just using this as an example. Replace it with literally anything. And so maybe as an exposure, an offense, right? OCD sleeping and I'm going to offensively kick it in its butt. I might, you know, get some glitter in a bag and put it in the other side of the house and know that it's in the house. That might be a 10 on my one to 10 stress scale. And that's an exposure, right? Or maybe, you know, put it on my lap in a bag, or maybe I'm afraid of clear plastic. And so I'm going to do an exposure where a piece of clear plastic, you know, sits on my lap and I don't wash my jeans or my hands afterwards. So offense is setting up an exposure that's very specific. If it's bodily fluid, you put something, this may or may not be bodily fluid, or maybe this looks like bodily fluid and that's upsetting. And maybe I'll do a imaginal script, a story about you know, maybe I'll take some glue and I'll put it in your hand and then I'll give you like an imaginal script, a story that says what that is and how it got there. I know that sounds really gross, but sometimes you have to meet OCD where it's at. And if OCD is being gross and OCD is being sexual or OCD is being disgusting, we have to go with where OCD wants us to go. I'm not introducing concepts that aren't already there that OCD hasn't already introduced. So offense and defense is really important. And that's why kind of knowing some of the core fears is really helpful. But even if you don't, just starting to turn things green can be very helpful. And another way to do that is to do it in small steps. So if something is pink, so it's not totally red, what's the smallest thing on your list that is slightly contaminated, but not too much. And then maybe you take a piece of cloth or something and you touch that thing that is slightly contaminated. And then you contaminate everything with that thing. And so every time I wash my hands, I pull out this piece of cloth and I recontaminate my hands. And every time, you know, I go around my room and I touch this thing and I touch it everywhere. And so I'm turning that green because eventually it's like that thing has touched everything. I can't keep track. And so it's going to turn green. It's easier said than done. It's a really hard process, but I'm just trying to give you like a snapshot view of how to handle contamination. There's no way I can tell you, you know, exactly all the steps and and walk you through because a lot of it is you might know how to do it, but the how part of like actually doing it is the hard part, right? I mean, it's not rocket science, but it's the doing that takes time and patience. And so 
contaminating something small. I do like the idea of having a piece of cloth. What I would do when I was in my practice is I would go to Walmart and I'd get like fabric swatches and like little sample fabrics. And I would use those in my practice for kids to use to contaminate if they're hand washers. So they would contaminate something. I mean, something would be contaminated that was like maybe pink, maybe sometimes red. And if they were hand washers and, you know, they had to wash their hands every time they touched something that was contaminated, they would have that in their pocket and they would recontaminate their hands after they washed, which kind of undid their compulsion. And so that's another approach to use. And so um, you can get very creative in how to turn things green. And then you ask them, what do you want to turn green? And I've had kids in my practice, you know, they want, you know, their Xbox to turn green again, or their phone to turn green again, or their car or their bed, something that's really annoying to them. And so giving them the agency to decide themselves what they want to work on is also really important because this is their journey. And if they're motivated, this is kind of like using an act principle. Like if they value their Xbox and they value playing on it and OCD is taking that away from them, even though that maybe that's a higher number on the contamination scale, they might be more willing to work on that because they want to be able to play again. Or maybe they like their friends coming over and they want their friends to be able to sit on their bed and it's embarrassing and they don't know how to handle that. And so that might be a motivation because they value having their friends over and they value their friendships and being able to spend time together. And OCD is robbing that because they're so consumed with not allowing their friends in their room or not having their friends sit on their bed that they might be motivated to work on it for that reason. So finding the hook that will make them feel motivated and allowing them that freedom to pick you know, I'm going to work on turning this green today. And then the cool thing is then you go back to that list and you cross those things off as they're accruing and you say, you know, let's cross off your Xbox. That's not, that's green now. Let's cross this off. And the most amazing thing is when they've worked on it for a little while and you look at their list and all you see are these things crossed off. It's like a beautiful visual symbolism of all the work they've done and can make them feel really proud when they see that. And then it's also a great deterrent because they can hang it up or they could put it somewhere so they can see they don't want that slippery slope of things turning red again. But this all comes back to motivation. And if they're not motivated, then we have to pause this, go at their pace. They can't, we cannot walk ahead of them in this. They have to walk ahead. And so if we have to slow down because our pace is two steps ahead of them, then that's what we have to do. But when we do it and we have patience and we take time, it can really help to have the therapeutic support of an OCD therapist, then you can make a lot of progress. So I hope that you found this helpful. I know it was like just like a therapy session, felt like you were in my office and I was just teaching you as a parent, but I hope that you found it helpful. You got some good nuggets out of this. If you were enjoying my podcast, don't forget to hit a star on iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or wherever you consume your podcast. And if you have a few extra minutes, don't forget to leave a review. I greatly appreciate that. And to show my appreciation, I always like to end my podcast reading one of them, if I have one. I want to thank Runs Hills for writing a review. They wrote, you have helped us so much. Your podcast is very thoughtful and insightful and has helped my family immensely. We've struggled finding a therapist for my two sons in our small community. There are no teenage-specific therapists working with OCD where we live. Your podcast has been a lifeline for us to learn more about this disorder and how to manage it as parents. This also reached through cyberspace and really helped my kids. Thank you for all you do. You're truly making a difference by using this egalitarian platform that is so accessible to so many. 
We applaud you for continuing to make these podcasts even through your own struggles. Thank you. We wish you and your family all the best. Well, thank you for taking the time to write that. And I'm so glad that I'm able to give you that support virtually and help guide you because I know it is so hard to find appropriate OCD therapists. And that's kind of what drives me to do this is I can get into the devices of people around the world and at least give you a little bit of a light, shine some information on you to make a difference. So I hope all of you find the sparkle in everything you do. And I'll talk to you again next Tuesday. Take care. Thank you for listening to the AT Parenting Survival Podcast. To get additional support raising a child with anxiety or OCD, visit Natasha's online school of on-demand classes at atparentingsurvivalschool.com.